Everybody, welcome to episode 277 of the Running Rogue podcast. I'm excited to be back to you this week. And my topic for today's episode is actually going to be one suggested by a listener, Rowie from Israel. Always love hearing from my international listeners. He suggested an episode on so-called late bloomers, those that get into running later in life who may start after their 40s or at 40 or beyond. And he had some questions that I think are great on this topic. I'll be adding some notes of my own as well. So we'll get to that in just a second. Before we jump into that topic, though, just wanted to remind you that you have up until June 17th to jump into the current season of the podcast training group that I coach with prior guest James Dodds. That uh, That is now opening for season 10. We will train you for races from September through to to January if you're going all the way to something like the Houston Marathon. And whether you want to train for 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons or marathons, we've got training options for you. And now is the time to jump in. We only opened that group a couple of times a year, once typically in June and once typically in January. And now is the time to jump in if you're going to jump in. So go check it out at roguerunning.com. If you click on the train button and go to virtual group training, you will find all the information there. You can also email me if you have questions, chris at roguerunning.com. I've already had a bunch of people jump into that group for this season, and I hope you do too if you're interested. Lastly, before we talk about the main topic, I wanted to thank Care Of. They're my longtime sponsor at this point, and they are sponsoring this episode. And I'll be telling you more about Care Of, as well as giving you an offer to use with them if you're so inclined mid-episode. So stay tuned for that in just a second. But that's what we have for intro. So let's jump into the main topic. Again, this one was suggested by Rowie from Israel. Hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And I think it's a good one because as a running coach, I see a lot of people that use running as an outlet, a movement practice later in life that may or may not have an athletic background in sport prior to getting into running. And or it might be somebody that did it at an early age in high school, middle school, perhaps, and then is getting back into it later in life which is another version of late bloomer. And so Roby had a bunch of great questions. Roby himself started at age 40. He's 43 now and starting to see progress and has been on this journey and seems to be excited about now achieving some new potential personal best and has some really good questions about how to approach this as a late bloomer. So we're going to get to those questions and then I'll have some other notes from my perspective at the end as someone who has coached a bunch of so-called late bloomers. To give you a little preview, we'll be talking about timing of jumping into running and whether there's a downside to starting late. We're going to be talking about how to get started. We're going to be talking about how to think about your potential or to potentially think about measuring your potential. We'll be talking about running form and how to think about that later in life. And then I've got some practical advice for you on getting started, things that I think late bloomers might need to consider more perhaps than others, and we'll wrap it up there. So starting things off with first question, timing. Is it ever too late to start would be one question, but to phrase it in the way that Roey did in his email, he said, should I mourn for not starting running and racing earlier in life? Should I mourn for not starting running and racing earlier in life? And the short answer to that question to me is no, absolutely not. Everyone's approach and timing in their running journey is beautiful in its own way. And I don't think that in life in general, there's a lot to be gained by having regrets. And I think this running journey is no different than that. So I would certainly not mourn starting later in life. Rather, I would focus on the potential benefits of starting later in life because there are at least a handful. One thing that is a benefit of starting later in life is that you're allowed to approach or you're, you have the opportunity to approach the sport on your own terms 
in a perhaps more mature place where you know more about what you want and what is fulfilling for you in life. I have seen those that start out younger for whatever reason, maybe because they're talented, maybe because they got forced into it by their parents, maybe because they had to run as a part of, of, of staying fit for another sport. Oftentimes those that start early do it for other reasons besides the pure joy of it. They might do it because they're good at it. They might do it because they have to. They might do it to stay fit for something else. But there's a reason for doing it that isn't just about the pure joy of movement that sometimes for those that that start early isn't sustainable or at least it's not because it doesn't come from within necessarily. It may be an external factor that's driving that participation in running. Then it's not something that they've developed their own unique purpose around or their own unique joy in the activity itself. And so that can be hard to sustain when that external factor changes. So if you have someone, for example, that's really good at running and they're competing at a high level, perhaps at high school, even college level, if they don't end up turning professional, then it sometimes is hard to sustain that running because they were doing it because they had structure around them in a team that was driving them. And they also had their results that were driving them and may not have developed their own unique personal passion and joy in the activity itself. And so oftentimes you see people fall away from the sport after that because they don't have that inner intrinsic purpose to do it like so many that started later in life for whatever reason. And so one of the things I typically observe is that someone that starts later is more connected to that intrinsic value of movement for them for whatever reason. And then that becomes much more sustainable to make it a lifelong practice. It also means you're not comparing yourself to anything you know you're, you're starting with a blank slate and so you're not necessarily comparing yourself to a prior younger version you're just doing it for the joy in the moment and ultimately to see what you can accomplish later which we'll talk about potential in a minute so that's one upside to starting later is that typically those that start later are able to approach the sport with their own intrinsic motivation that has more sustainable value to them over time. And so that's one reason to celebrate starting late. Another reason to celebrate starting late is that if you start later in life, your your clock for aerobic development still starts at the same place. When we're, we're developing and building the aerobic system, we all start out as aerobic babies, aerobic toddlers, and then we ultimately grow up through consistent running into being aerobic adults. That process, not dissimilar to the process of growing into an adult as an actual human, takes about two decades, two decades of consistent running, and you can continue to develop and mature and build your aerobic system. And so, and that starts from whatever point you start to build it. And so those that start later in life, if you don't have that background, you're starting as a aerobic baby at 40 years old, perhaps in your case, Roy, and or it could be as late as 65, as I had someone reach out this week for coaching information, who's 60, started at 65, currently 69 and still building. But that clock for you starts at zero at whatever age you begin building that running foundation that aerobic foundation and then can build and grow and mature for another two decades so for you really if you're consistent between now and 60 you're going to continue to see that aerobic system develop as long as you're able to stay consistent and keep doing the work and that's pretty cool because that means that at 50 and 60 and we'll talk about potential in a minute you are potentially going to see improvement Throughout that time period versus someone who started at 20, they reached that maturity aerobically at 40 and then therefore might plateau a little bit sooner and it could potentially create a challenge for them in developing that sustainability if seeing that constant improvement is a motivator. So 
So that's another thing to celebrate starting late is that no matter what, no matter when you start, your aerobic development age still begins at zero and then will continue for about 20 years after that. And so if you're starting later, it just means that you're going to have potentially more longevity in the sport and continue to see improvement later in life versus others who started earlier might plateau a little bit sooner. So that's something to celebrate. Another thing to celebrate, I think in starting later in life is just the idea that when you are more mature and again, you have this own, you have your own unique intrinsic motivation to do something, then you're able to research and apply and execute on what you want as an individual, I think a little bit more effectively. You're more mature in life. You have access to perhaps more resources. You're, you understand more about what you want. You know how to get stuff done. You know, you've got some work history and life history that shows you that with hard work and experience, you're able to accomplish results. And so you can apply all of those lessons that you've learned up to whatever point you start your running journey from life to your running journey, which will then allow you to amplify potentially what you can do on the running side. And so that's another reason to celebrate starting late in running is because I think you bring more tools to bear as a human that will allow you to reach that full potential. So those are reasons to celebrate starting late. And I certainly don't think there are any reasons to mourn starting late. And then the related question to that, which I already teed up is, is it ever too late to start? And the answer for me is no. People can start that running journey at any point. And it may look different depending on when you start, but certainly if you can still move, if you can still get your body out there and get going, then it's, it's never too late to start. And you can start at any point. It's just a matter of getting out there and moving. Now, of course, once you get past, past a certain point, if you haven't moved your body and or developed the ability and strength to actually move in the running motion, then it may be more challenging to start. Somebody starting at 65 who's been a little bit less active prior to that, it's going to be a little harder to start then than it will be at 45. That's for sure. But all the same it's never too late to start if you can get out there and move your body in some way. And so I encourage you, if you've been thinking about it, just get started. Just get started. Take that first step. The first step is the hardest. And once you can get going, then you can build momentum into making a true habit and practice that becomes a part of your life. And on that, on that note, before we transition into the second set of questions, the sort of second topical area that Roy brought up, I wanted to share a quote that I shared with the the Wednesday group that I coach here in Austin this week. It's from a guy named Brendan Burchard. He's a performance coach, New York Times bestseller. He says, first, it is an intention, then a behavior, then a habit, then a practice, then a second nature, then it is simply who you are. That's the progression of taking anything that you want to do in life and making it a part of who you are. And if I think about running for me now, 20 plus years after starting my running journey, it's, it's on the same level as eating and sleeping and breathing. Running is that for me. It is a part of who I am. It is certainly a second nature it is certainly a practice. It has long since been a habit and it started 20 plus years ago as an intention and behavior. And if I think about that progression for me from intention to be it becoming who I, a part of who I am, that was probably an eight or nine year total journey. I would say it was, I quickly moved from intention to behavior it took a lot longer for me to move from behavior to habit, probably about three years, I would say, because I was, when I first started running, I was very focused on competing, competing with myself particularly, and 
that aspect of just getting faster unless and then so unless I had a race on the calendar I wouldn't be training and so I would go through these cycles where I would do it consistently for five months take a break for three months sign up for another race then do another five month chunk and so it was kind of an on and off behavior for a a while until it became a full-blown habit something that became a part of my 24 7 365 so that was about a three-year journey from intention to habit and then from habit to it becoming a part of who i am was probably another five or six years of just consistently doing it where i went from doing it for competition which by the way has never changed it's still there being with myself to evolving into it becoming an activity that I actually enjoyed on its own right, regardless of performance and times and competition. And then from there, it evolved further into simply being something I need to do in order to stay balanced and keep moving through through life every day. And that's the journey that we're talking about here in many ways for anybody who wants to make running a part of their life in this way, it's going to be a process. And it's, if you look at the forest, if you look at the big picture, it's that going from intention, wanting to do it to it becoming a part of who you are. That's the, the full envelope of the journey. That's the forest. And when you look at the trees in there, those are all the little bitty, little bitty actions that you have to take along the way over a period of not weeks or months, but years in order for it to become an ingrained practice and then second nature and then a part of who you are. And if that's something you want, it's easy to be overwhelmed by the forest, by the big picture, because it seems like that can be so far away. And so uh, if you want to, be a part of a journey like this, then I would encourage you to certainly understand the forest and, and see what the big picture is and what you want with it. But also then when you get overwhelmed by that part of it, just focused, focus very narrowly on the very next step, do the next thing you need to do in order to take that next step in making it a habit or practice, which will eventually then transform further. So that's one bit of encouragement I wanted to make here. And the nice thing about that journey is that you don't have to do anything more than just keep showing up the Des Linden line. You don't have to perform well. You don't have to perform to anyone's standards. You don't have to run certain times. All you have to do is just keep showing up. Just take that next step. So. That's my encouragement to you is just keep taking those next steps in whatever capacity it looks like for you and whatever ability and talent that you have. Just keep showing up, keep taking those steps, and then you get to build a journey that is uniquely yours and beautiful in its own way. And it may not take you eight or nine years like it did me. It may take you less, but it doesn't matter the timeline if you're enjoying that process and continue to take those steps then there's the magic in itself. The journey is more powerful than the ultimate destination. So that's a bit of encouragement on this idea of timing and, and when to get started or is it too late to get started? It doesn't matter. None of that matters. All that matters is you can bring to bear those next little actions that will ultimately help you build this into a part of a practice or a part of who you are, if that's what you want. So that's first question. Second topic he asks about kind of getting started. How do you think about it? And so his second question is, how should you start your goal setting journey? How should you start your goal setting journey? And to me, this kind of has two layers to it. This question, one is the layer of how do you set goals? How do you think about what's possible? And then the second layer is, what do you do to actually go start chasing those goals? On the first part of that question, how do you set goals? It's a good one, I think, particularly for newer runners to think about. 
because it is important, I do think, for anybody really on any activity or thing you're trying to do or accomplish to set goals, no matter how they look or how big they might be or whether they're related to just doing stuff or whether they're related to getting certain outcomes. It doesn't matter. It's important to think about those goals. And some people ask me when they get started, particularly those that get started later in life, is do I have to do races in a certain order? Do I even have to do races at all? And and when I say a certain order on that first sub question is, meaning do I need to do a 5K and then a 10K, then a half, then a marathon? Do I have to follow a sequence or can I just jump in wherever I want? And my answer to that is, in general, to jump in with whatever is motivating. To jump into whatever is motivating to you and in whatever form that looks like. And it might be about races. It might be about doing that first 5K if that's exciting to you, or perhaps you've got somebody who's a friend who signed up and is like, hey, you should do this with me. And you're like, okay, cool. I'll do that because we can do it together. And that's motivating. Or maybe somebody picked another distance that you want to go chase. I don't think you have to do races if you're thinking about races in any certain order. I don't think you have to go 5K, 10K, half marathon. I don't think you have to follow that sequence. I can tell you for me, I went 10K because my friend was training for one and I joined him on that journey and we did it. And I skipped from there to the marathon, 10K to marathon. And then of course, now I've been back and covered all the distances. And I think it's important ultimately in your training journey, if you want to reach your potential, obviously, as I've talked about in prior episodes, I think it's important to make sure you're mixing in all the distances. But when it comes to when you're starting, it's less about optimizing a certain sequence and it's more about what's going to be exciting to you, what's going to motivate you, what's going to be then therefore sustainable in getting you out there to do the work and get it done. And if that's a 5K, great, sign up for that. If that's a 10K, great, sign up for that. If it's a half or a marathon, great. I've seen all manners of this in my experience as a running coach. I've seen people start with the marathon. I've seen people start with a half. I've seen people start with a 10K. I've seen people start with a 5K. It doesn't matter to me which distance you pick. If you're going to start, it could be another distance. All that matters is that you're uniquely motivated to cover that distance for whatever reason that might be. Maybe because it means something to you personally. Maybe it's because you've got a friend who's pulling you in. Maybe it's because you've got a partner, spouse, family member, whoever it may be, who says, hey, we should do this together. It doesn't matter to me why you're motivated. It just matters that you are motivated and it needs to be uniquely motivating. You need to understand why you want that thing you want to go get and, and then you should go get it. Now, I generally discourage people, if we're talking about goal setting and races, I generally discourage people from picking specific goal times for that first attempt at a distance. For me, it's always about, hey, let's first cover the distance, then we can start thinking about times. And so I think that's a general thing to be mindful of or careful of is trying to be too specific with goal times when you're first chasing a distance. But then obviously afterwards, once you get it done, then you can go do that. And so I always have two sort of sub goals for when people are chasing a distance for the first time. One is obviously for them to complete that distance, get that race done. And then the second is for them to complete it, finishing in a way that's strong, ideally with a negative split, meaning they're able to run the last part of the race faster than the first part of the race. And so when you're doing that, I do think you want to have potentially a target time in mind based on your training and where you think your fitness might be picked in a conservative fashion so you have plenty of room for error. But then once you pick that, then go go try to attempt a plan where you start conservatively and then finish strong at the end because not only does that make it more fun, it's way more fun to finish fast faster than you started, but also it helps to start ingrain a mentality of executing a race in a way that's going to be most efficient and ultimately help you reach that higher potential because negative splitting any race beyond 
really a 5k is the optimal strategy at least data and science tell us that so you're ultimately going to want to execute races as you start to narrow that performance window or or pick narrower performance windows you're going to be able to execute negative splits so ideally you give yourself room to do that on your first race which then helps your body and your mind ingrain that mentality so that you can go do it again when you're chasing more specific times so that's one part of the goal setting discussion if you're choosing races another part of the goal setting discussion if races may be intimidating to you for whatever reason or maybe or maybe they don't resonate or maybe they're not motivating for whatever reason maybe for you it's more about process maybe it's about just getting it done checking the boxes on runs completed or distances covered or your ability to string together a streak of runs that might be exciting to you those there are streakers out there those that like to run every day and do that consistently and they're uniquely motivated by that and while that's not something that i'm uniquely motivated by doesn't mean it's less beautiful if that's what's exciting to you and so if that's what's interesting to you as you get started then pick simple process goals that can help you start taking those next steps towards consistency and it could be around consecutive runs could be around a certain number of runs per week or month it could be around building ultimately to a certain distance for your longest run of the week it could look like a lot of things and if that's motivating to you then great pick that as your initial goal and start to string together those runs and consistency around it and once you get there then pick the next one and and be open to the goals and your desires evolving as you get into it because that's one thing for late bloomers is oftentimes they don't know what's going to be exciting until they step in and so you want to certainly think about what might be exciting and pick something that might be exciting and then try it on for size and see how it goes but you may find that there's something more exciting once you start to get into it and that's okay. Let that evolve. Let those goals evolve as your motivation evolves. And I'm just a big believer in general when you get started to follow that motivation because that's what's going to help keep you do, keep you going. It's going to help get you from behavior to habit along that journey because that's, that's where a lot of people break down breakdown they they may pick a goal that is exciting for someone else or they may do a race that somebody got them into and that's exciting the first time because someone kind of pulled them along but then they have to develop their own unique motivation and goals from there and maybe they struggle to do so and so early on especially make sure you're chasing those things that excite you that are interesting and in whatever form that looks. Again, it could be a distance, could be a process related goal, could be a type of race, could be a race that is local that you have a special relationship to for whatever reason. So follow that motivation early in your goal setting and make sure that as I talk about many times, you understand the reasons why you want those goals because that's what's going to keep it sustainable for you. So that's sort of the first part of the goal setting discussion. Second part of the goal setting discussion is around how do you get started specifically once you pick a goal? And for that, obviously, listening to this podcast is a great way to start. I always now remind people about episode 256 in my podcast catalog, The Running Rogue Way, where I I give a summary of how I think about training, both from a physical training standpoint and the training principles that help build, build physiology. But I also talk about the mental side and what you need to do from that perspective in order to ultimately reach your potential. So get educated is a first step in getting started. Listen, read, learn, ask questions of people that you know that are into it because you don't know what you don't know as a late bloomer, as somebody who's getting started in this later in life. And it's important to educate yourself along the way. I have I have so many people email me about the podcast who say they may have gotten started later. They don't have a coach 
and yet they've learned things from my podcast that are counterintuitive about how to be your best running self. So use those resources around you to start getting educated, to understand the things that you don't know so that you can understand what you need to do in order to achieve those goals. So that's one thing is just get educated using the resources that you, that you have around you. Second thing, find friends, find accountability partners in whatever form could be friends that want to start with you could be family members could be a running group even if it's as simple as joining some free runs that might be around town from various running stores or other places it seems like in 2022 there's just so many of those out there depending on what city you might be in and so go seek out like-minded people that can join you in the journey, whether that be for one run a week just to stay connected or maybe multiple runs a week. Could be joining and paying for a training program just like ours. You know, we have a Couch to 5K program. We've got intro and beginner programming within our half marathoning and marathoning programming so that if you're taking that first step in whatever way that we can help you do that, then there are so many examples of those types of programs and groups out there across the country here in the u.s and around the world so go seek out those resources and if you can and you have the means find a coach find a coach i don't think it's ever too early to get a coach there are some people that come to me and they'll say i'm not really ready for a coach yet just got started with running and my answer is always oh you're ready you're you're always ready to get a coach, why not start from the beginning with someone who could help you take those steps so that you don't make the mistakes that you might make on your own by not knowing. And in particular, you know, one of the things I see with late bloomers is is an injury pattern that might start if they're trying to do it on their own because they don't know things like slowing down on your easy runs or don't know how to properly build volume or don't know that when you're sore after one run, you want to actually maybe go out and do another one so that you can work through that soreness versus taking another couple of days off and then letting that body sort of stagnate. And so you don't know those things. And so you might make mistakes when you're starting late that you won't make if you get a coach who can help you shortcut some of that, that knowledge and get to taking bigger steps sooner without making some of those mistakes that you might make on your own and so after you pick that goal go get your help educate yourself find accountability partners people you can share the journey with and ideally find a coach if you have the resources even if it's a virtual coach like me that you're just listening to on a weekly basis and learning from and maybe trying to construct your own programming from uh, based on my podcast which i've had people do So in whatever form, get help. So that's number two on how to get started. And then we've got some questions on potential from here and how to evaluate that potential. But before we get there, I wanted to talk about my partnership with Care Of. They are a longtime partner now, somebody I use myself to get my daily daily vitamins and supplements I use their packs every single day to make sure I remember to take what I need to take, which for me is vitamin D, ashwagandha, some things for heart health, multivitamin and probiotic at this point are all in my daily packs. And that helps me perform as I need to from a running perspective. And so you can also learn more about care of by going to takecareof.com take their short quiz that asks you about your lifestyle and health goals and then gives you personalized recommendations for what to include in those packs, which you can then sort through and add or decide not to add to your packs. And they give you all the information that you need in making those decisions, including exactly what's in it and also what the science is behind each of those elements that might be included. And that's the magic of care of it's, very transparent about what is going to be in those packs. And so once you get that quiz, you can select what you want. You can also go add other things if you'd like, and then you get the the pack sent to you and you set up a subscription. It comes without you having to think about it. You take those daily packs and you are off 
and running from there. Their packs are compostable, so you can toss those in the compost without worrying about the environmental impact. You also get a customized booklet with each shipment that tells you information about exactly what you're taking in those daily packs, which I always like to nerd out on, nerd out on when I get my monthly boxes. So go check it out. You can go to takecareof.com. If you want 50% off your first order, you can go to that website and enter code ROGUE50. That's R-O-G-U-E-5-0. Again, go to takecareof.com. Use the code ROGUE50 for 50% off. You won't regret it. So there we go. Now let's get back into the questions from Rowie. Now we're going to talk a little bit about potential, which always again comes up with with late bloomers. And he had a few questions here that I want to get to. One is how can I obsess? How can I assess my PR potential? How can I assess my PR potential? This one is tricky for those that are getting started later in life because you just you just don't know what your potential is. And so the way I'm going to answer this question is what I recommend new runners in doing and starting to think about how they can perform. And then I'll also talk about how you might think about long-term potential. But the first message I want to say, which we'll get to another question that Roe had in a minute, is don't put limits on your potential, especially early on. I have a lot of people come to me that are newer to running and say, I want to run X. And I say, okay, great. And, you know, when they're new to me, I don't know exactly whether that's feasible or not. But it doesn't matter because what I've learned in coaching for a long time and and working with a lot of athletes like this is that you don't want to put limits on potential, especially early on. You don't want to actually pick a number. You can have an idea in your head, perhaps, but you don't want to pick a number because more often than not, it limits what your potential might be versus enhances it because you just don't know. You don't know. And so rather than trying to speculate, I encourage people to not speculate about what that PR potential might be when they're early in their journey and instead to invest in the process and let the process unveil unveil to them what that potential might be as they go. And so again, I've, I've had a lot of these conversations and, uh, and people say, I want to run X. And then six months later, they're running X minus 30 minutes, perhaps, because we didn't know until the process revealed what it might be able to accomplish or what they might be able to accomplish. And this is another reason to get a coach because they can kind of help you along the way in assessing where you might be at any given point. But what I recommend is first, invest in the process. Let the process reveal where you might be and what that could look like initially if you're trying to get a little bit of data for those that might be operating on their own is that you work for eight weeks, 12 weeks, get yourself two to three months of consistent running in any form under your belt and then go do a two mile time trial. Then try to run two miles as fast as you can. That's going to be a good data point to then tell you what your potential might be at other distances because you can go to an, a running calculator like McMillan's running calculator. You can plug in that time for a 3,200 meter or two two mile time trial and it will tell you what your potential might be based on that current fitness at other distances, assuming you were training for them. And so that's one way to get a little bit of information along the way. The other way is to ultimately see what you're able to do in certain workouts and then extrapolate that information out to what might be possible for a race. But if you're going to do that, I highly advise you do that in the context of of talking with a coach because they're going to have a much better intuition than you are at that stage about what that might translate into depending on whatever your results might look like, your history might be. So my short answer on assessing your PR potential in the, the near term is to not worry about it. And instead of assessing your potential, invest in the process and let the results start to reveal what's possible 
over time from there. Now, what does that look like as you progress, as you get into it, as you start to get some data points? My general encouragement is, and this kind of gets to your your next question, should I expect, Rogi's next question, should I expect to exceed my expectations with every cycle? And the answer, short answer to that is no. <laughs> the short answer to that is no. Oftentimes, new runners do see this window of time that might last for many years where they're just PRing or running PRs at every single distance because they're improving so much because suddenly they've added that consistent stimulus. So it's possible that it looks like that for you. And for a lot of newer runners, it does look like that but not necessarily for everybody. And it's certainly not necessarily linear for everybody where you're going to see, you're going to see some wins. You're going to see some losses just like anything else. And that's a part of it. And there's a handful of runners. I could probably count on one hand that basically PR'd everything along the way for many, many, many years. But most of the time you have your ebbs and flows, your ups and downs for whatever reason could be because you got injured at some point could be because you didn't execute well in a race could be because the race had bad weather and it was out of your control and you just couldn't put put forward the fitness that you were bringing into that day so don't expect that (laughs) at all expect the ups and downs and understand that there are there's beauty in the ups and downs because even on those days where it doesn't go as well as you had hoped and you don't get that pr then you're going to be able to to learn and take lessons from that that you can apply into future races. And always, no matter what, as I've talked about in in recent episodes about what's thinking about what's next, is you always have the training results. You always have the training results. And the more you can string together consistent training blocks, that only creates a bigger foundation upon which you build from there. So embrace that part no matter what happens with the ups and downs along the way third question on this topic that Roe had was are my peaks still ahead of me or should i expect to reach a limit in performance sometime soon the answer is well one answer is it doesn't matter i like to remind people because everybody regardless of whether they're new or not who hits that 40 mark is running around with this theoretical devil on their shoulder that's telling them that the grim reaper is coming and that the slower versions of their of their results are unavoidable in the near future because time is going to catch up with you and the reality is we just don't know when that's going to come for anybody and so it's pointless from my perspective to even worry about it or think about it certainly do the things you need to do and we'll talk about strength and mobility in a second because that's relevant for late bloomers particularly certainly do the things that you need to do in order to push back father time but don't worry about are your peaks still ahead or not you can't you can't know and it's not really relevant all you can do is invest in the process and see let the let the results show you over time where things might be. And as someone who is about to turn 43 myself, who's been doing this for 20 years, it's certainly a question that I'm not immune to asking myself. But at the same time, I still believe that my fastest times in certain races are still ahead. And so I'm going to chase that until, until I can't. So, so that's part of it is it doesn't matter operate like your peaks are always still ahead of you because that's really the only productive way to find out if they are. And then the other part of this is that, especially for late bloomers, your peaks are often and more likely still ahead for a long time to come. As I mentioned, your aerobic development age starts at whatever you start building it. And that might be at 40 in your case, Roe. And so you've got two decades of opportunity, if you're consistent, to build your aerobic engine with consistent work, where literally you're going to be changing your, your physiology from the inside out. I'm 
talked about this many times. We're talking about improving lung capacity, improving your ability to carry oxygen in your bloodstream, adding, adding mitochondria to your cells, adding capillaries to your working muscles, literally building new blood vessels. That process continues even as you age, regardless of when you start for up to two decades. And so oftentimes people can still, if they start later in life, they can still see PRs into their 50s, potentially even 60s because of that late start and the fact that their aerobic system is still building. So especially for the late bloomers, don't limit what you can do at any time because of age just believe that there's more still ahead and keep doing the work to chase it and it will reveal itself to you as you do that and that's all you can do there's no point in in walking or running around like you're about to get struck down by the by the by father time in terms of times and paces because it's just not helpful not productive and more likely than not your peaks are still ahead, regardless of what age you are, regardless of, of when you started, if you're early in your running journey. So hopefully that answers your questions for you about potential and gives you some hope. On the next topic, it is about, he asks about form. What about form and what might be particular things to think about when you age or start later? on the topic of running form. And so the questions here are, I've been told that as you get older, it's harder to change your running style. Is that true? And the second question is, should I give up on improving my running style and technique? So to answer this question, I wanna first just talk about what my beliefs are about running form. Everybody has their own, own unique version of running form. And there's been science that tells us that trying to change that isn't usually that productive. Change it actively with, while thinking about your form or something like that isn't usually that productive. And so what we have to do is try to make you more efficient as a, as a mover, as a runner, in the context of however your body works. If you go watch pro runners, you'll see all different versions of running form at the front of these races. And are any of them right or better? not necessarily. And that's okay. What matters is trying to become more efficient within the context of how your body specifically works. And in order to do that, we don't need to think about or change our form in some active way. We have to ultimately improve the subconscious movements of how our body is moving through space so that we're not having to think about it. And there are Ways to do that that are, are pretty straightforward if done consistently over time. One is to simply run more by running more and being more consistent with running and in increasing your volume gradually from whatever your starting point. That's going to make you more efficient in the context of how your body moves. So run more. Another thing is drills and strides. Doing those regularly once a week at least gives you this little bit of inoculation of speed and efficiency that ultimately helps you become more efficient in the context of how your body moves. Those things work for someone who is starting later just like they would for somebody who starts a little bit earlier. Drills and strides. And then lastly, strength and mobility work is an important variable to help improve your body's ability, particularly to hold form over the distances, especially if you're doing things like half marathons and marathons, you want to be able to hold your form in an efficient way versus have it break down. And oftentimes you'll see people hunching over or doing weird or different things when they get fatigued that might be inefficient. And that's something that we want to avoid. And so strength and mobility helps us maintain your personal efficient form throughout a race so that you can hold that till the end. And so that's the basis with which I answered this question. And so no matter what, no matter what your age is or when you're starting your running journey, I highly recommend you do those four things. Run more, do your drills, do your strides, which are weekly controlled sprints. I've talked about them on prior episodes that essentially give you a little bit of inoculation of speed and when we run fast we run more efficiently that helps ingrain if done weekly 
week in and week out. It helps ingrain a more efficient form, again, in the context of how your body works. And then finally, consistent strength and mobility. So no matter what, regardless of your age and your starting point and when you get into this, those things are going to be important part of your routine in order to be more efficient in the context of how your body works, not necessarily to change your form in a specific way, but just simply to make your body and its movement patterns more efficient. Now, that being said, as we age, our muscles become less elastic. We also have more ingrained movement patterns that can be difficult, more difficult to transform later in life. And so if you have limited mobility in a certain area in your 40s or 50s, then that's going to be more challenging to address and work through because you've got more time of being ingrained in that movement pattern than somebody who might be younger. And so it might be, you might find that this path to become become more efficient is more challenging or might have some bumps in the road because of whatever ingrained movement patterns you already have in place that you have to to break, some bad habits you have to break. But but young people can have that too, or those that start earlier can have those things too. It's just everybody, again, everybody's journey is going to look a little bit different. And you just have to understand that as we age, there may be some some more more challenges a little more stubbornness with your body and doing some of these things, but doesn't change the work. It really just changes the importance of making sure you do those things so that you can continue to drive an efficient movement pattern for you that will help you not only run faster, but ultimately be more injury free and more resilient as you go. So hopefully that answers your question. I wouldn't worry about form ever specifically, but I would think about, am I doing the things I need to do in order to be efficient? And again, regardless of age, let's run more, do your drills, do your strides and incorporate strength and mobility work. Those things become brass tacks, become absolute table stakes when you're starting later in life. And so you just, you have less margin for error and you have to do those things versus when you're younger, you can maybe get away with not. Okay. With that, that gets through Rowie's questions. And then I wanted just to add some other thoughts that I think about when I think about advising late starters, late bloomers in this sport of ours. One of those is to just be very, very patient. I think there's sometimes a temptation when you're starting late to feel like you have to play catch up. That you, as we alluded earlier, that you have some sort of hourglass with the sand draining through and you've got this limited time window to achieve what you want to achieve in this sport. But I wouldn't think about it that way because ultimately, no matter when you start, it's still a journey that you want to do in a sustainable way that hopefully will take you late in life as a movement practice that you can participate in. And in order to do that, you can't use hacks, you can't take shortcuts. You have to continue just like at any age, be patient with the journey. Be patient with your builds, be patient with your your pickup in volume as you go. You can't take shortcuts at any age. You have to continue to follow the core principles of sound training practices, which means that you got to make incremental small changes from one season to the next so that you don't overdo it. Don't be in a rush. Be patient. There's plenty of time to go chase your dreams and goals. And as I said, you can continue to improve for up up to two decades of aerobic development, regardless of when you start. And so just avoid that temptation to short shortcut or short circuit things because what happens typically when that when we try to do that is we get injured we get hurt or we have major disruptions in our training that will ultimately allow us or cause us to not enjoy the journey to have to maybe take big chunks away from it and then certainly not to reach your potential so you can't take shortcuts be patient next i'll remind people the same thing as i remind people or really anybody who's starting, which is that start slow. You have to go slow to go fast. It's just the way it works. And 
So many people make that mistake of going out and trying to run fast every day, thinking that that's the thing that's going to make them faster instead of balancing an appropriate mix of mostly easy conversational running or walking, if that's where you're starting, with occasional bouts of faster running so that ultimately you can become your fastest self. The reason that is, is because when you run easy, that's when you're building your engine that's when you're building the aerobic system, the aerobic capacity in a way that's going to allow you to bring in the most oxygen to help power your runs. And so you have to start slow. It also, incidentally, in addition to building the aerobic system right, the right way, it also helps keep you healthy and keep you from overstressing that musculoskeletal system. And so slow down when you start. Go as easy as you need to in the same vein of being patient with your overall journey, be patient with each individual run. Don't rush it. There's no point in rushing it. And if your body says no, or if it's not feeling it on a given day, do what it can allow. Maybe that means walking on a given day or walk running or going much easier than you did yesterday because that's what your body's asking for. Just slow down. I promise you it will help you not only be consistent and then have longevity in the journey, but also ultimately to help you reach your potential and be the fastest version of you. So that's a second point here. Third point that I want to stress again that I mentioned earlier in the form discussion is just if we're starting later in life, particularly post 40, I can't underscore the importance of some sort of strength and mobility routine enough at least a couple of times a week and again it doesn't have to be super elaborate it could be 15 20 minutes after a couple of runs a week as a starting point but you need to be doing something because muscles start to start to shrink you lose elasticity in those muscles as we age and that's ultimately going to leave you prone to injury if you're not working those things Oftentimes, those that got got involved later in life also didn't necessarily have some of that athletic background that others may bring, which means that sometimes your muscles aren't as developed as somebody who started later in life. And while, again, you shouldn't regret starting it later, later in life, you should still do the right things when you are starting, which is to find information about a strength and mobility routine or someone that can help you with that, that will allow you to be as resilient physically as you can as you get into the journey. So I want to underscore and bold that recommendation. I think that's probably one of the more important elements when we're when we're talking about starting later in life. And then lastly, I just want to underscore the point that I alluded to earlier, which is that I want you to dream big. I want you to dream big. One of the things that I see often with somebody who's starting later with people that are starting later in life is that for whatever reason they believe, and it might be because they develop this belief themselves. It might be because they've been told this directly, or it might be because society has ways of giving us this type of messaging so that it becomes ingrained in us without us really necessarily knowing it, which is that oftentimes people that start later, think they aren't worthy of of big goals in the sport. They think they aren't worthy for whatever reason because they might say I'm not an athlete, this isn't my thing. They're going to say you might say potentially I'm not a runner because I haven't done this before. I don't or I don't look a certain way. There's all sorts of negative messaging that gets ingrained in us when we just live in the society that we live in. And so a lot of people, when they start, they think that they may not be worthy of, of certain goals. They may not be worthy of chasing certain distances or certain times, or they may not be worthy of following a training program that has rigorous training principles because their body is not good enough for that. And I'm here to tell you, as my final message for this episode, you are worthy of big goals. You are worthy of big goals. And I want you, and while you may not know yet 
what big looks like. And you'll probably, when you first start, you probably will undershoot your potential because you just don't know what's possible for you. I want you to dream as big as you can, as big as your mind is currently able, and then go chase that goal. Dream as big as you can and then go chase it because it's going to help catapult you beyond the limits that have been imposed by yourself for many years, maybe others on you for many years in society. You've got to break out of those chains of of worthiness, those chains of believing that I can do big things too, just like others around me that I've seen do these things before. You're worthy of those same goals. So please dream as big as you can and then believe that you can do it and then go take the little steps that are going to help you get on the path to that goal. And along the way, I promise you what you'll discover is that you can do even more beyond that as well. And that's where the fun starts to really kick in. So I'll leave that as my final message. Thanks again for listening. As always, you can check us out at roguerunning.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.